Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week, we're with Justine Sint of East of Omaha, a live music venue in Griswold, Iowa. Justine shares about how she and her family are bringing live music to Griswold and how that was inspired by some time spent in Nashville. We also talk about her heart for her hometown, plus how important it is to save our stages and live music venues from the devastating effects of COVID. So here we go with Justine Sint. All right. Well, we're here today with Justine Sint of East of Omaha in Griswold, Iowa. Justine, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, tell us about you. Are you an Iowa native? Yes, I was born and raised in Griswold. I graduated from Griswold High School. Um, My parents are both from here. My dad's family actually moved here, I think, in like 1905 or something. So he's been in the, his whole family's always been from the area. And um, my mom moved here when she was in early elementary school. Um, So she's essentially always been from the area too. So, uh, but yeah, but I then moved away for college and then moved around a little bit. And then I moved back here in 2017. So I've been back for a few years now. I love it. Well, you and I both have something in common. We've both lived in Nashville. So tell us a little bit about your time there. Yes, I love that because I love talking to anybody who's ever been to Nashville or lived in Nashville because it is the most amazing city. (laughs) I just love it so much. I love the vibe. I love the, just like the feeling of it all. It's just such a dreamer city and entrepreneurial city whatever you want to do you can do it you can go out and make it happen and um it's just I don't know it's it's hard to describe but I know you know what I mean so yeah it's one of those places that there's no other place like it that I know of and I feel like it taught me a lot about entrepreneurship and creativity because a lot of people there are just they're not afraid to try stuff and see if it works yeah no absolutely it was a great experience. It was completely invaluable. And like you said, like it was just, there's so much creativity there and so much thinking outside the box and, you know, unconventional things and, and whatever you want to do. Yeah. Just go do it. Yes. And everyone's supportive. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I'm curious, what was it that brought you back to Iowa? So what brought me back is probably what would bring a lot of people back after a while is just my family. I am one of five kids and we are just all very, very close. My parents are, it sounds so cliche, but they are my absolute best friends. They're the most fun people ever. And I just, I miss them so much. I miss missing out on different life events, you know, even just like small holidays, like Father's Days or, you know, if one of my siblings graduated or, you know, stuff like that. So I I just decided it was time to move closer to home and be closer to family. Yeah. So is it safe to say that Nashville inspired your idea for East of Omaha? It very much made it a lot better and a lot more, like, I think I can do this. It was definitely my parents, um, their original idea and 
we can dive more into that as you want, but um, we had purchased right when I moved back, we, there was an abandoned building in town and um, my dad um, has acquired a few of these, I guess, throughout the years because we can't stand to see them just go to waste. And I can't remember where we were, but I remember he got the call and I remember this guy was like, Kevin, this building went up and no one bought it. What are we going to do with it? Because it is literally in the heart of our main street. I mean, in smack dab, the corners, you know, like it is the heart of our main street. And so we bought it. We had no idea what to do with the map. But uh, when I had first moved down to Nashville, my, the first time my parents came to visit me in 2000, I went to um, Pinewood Social, um, which is outside of downtown Nashville. And we were sitting there and I'll never forget we were there and we're just having a good time. And Pinewood Social, for people that don't know, is just such a cool concept, especially at the time. It was completely different. There was like this bowling alley and this bar and there was a pool outside. And it's just such a, it was just such a fun concept, especially back then. Um, and they were just having so much fun and they were like, wouldn't it be fun to open a bar and call it East of Omaha? Because, you know, the Bob Seger song, the famous line and turn the page. And, and honestly, it was never really thought of again until uh, this building came up and we bought it and it sat empty for a year. And then all of a sudden my dad's like, what if we did a music venue? What if we took some of Nashville and brought it here? And we created a very unique, different experience here and it all happened so fast after that I don't really <laughs> I can't even it, it literally like that was in January of 19 and we opened May of 19 and it was just all right how do we do it what do we do and got to work so um but if I didn't getting back to your original question if I I think that if I did not have the experiences that I had in Nashville and had my eyes so opened, I don't think I ever would have been on board with it. And even though it ultimately would have been, you know, my dad's choice, I don't, I don't know if we would have done it because I don't, I don't know if I would have believed in it or thought that it was possible or, you know, would want to invest my time and energy into it. So I think it's definitely safe to say that Nashville was very inspirational and, and doing something so unique and different in this small town. Yeah, I love that. Well, once you decided, okay, let's make this happen, where did you start? Like, what was the process? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, we had no idea what we were doing. We had this, and it, I wouldn't say it was, you know, deteriorate, but it, it wasn't in good shape at all, this building. We just had the space and the idea. And so right away, um, one of the great things about being in Nashville is, you know, you make contacts and acquaintances. And I had a really good friend down there that um, he does tour managing for um, big artists. And he has been in the field and the profession for forever. And so we had, we had him come up and we kind of did, had him consult with us and we're like, what do we do? Like, where do we need to start? Can you give us some outlines? And also we want to be open in like four or five months. <laughs> so um, yeah, I guess like one of the biggest things he said is you need to do it right. Like it can't be just another bar with 
you know, some mediocre sound and light or it, if you want this to be a thing, you need to do it right. Like you need to do, you need to have it done professionally. You need to have it done set up correctly. You need to invest, you know, time and money into it. And he was really instrumental in helping us get it all done. So we had a lot of professional help, I guess, with the bones of it, which was really, really nice because we have no background in it whatsoever. My dad's a farmer and I am accounting. So we had zero idea. So he was, I mean, it was amazing having him as a contact and to consult about what to do. And then, uh, yeah, then from there, I guess we just, we knew that was point A and we knew uh, (laughs) opening was in May and what do we need? And we just tried to self-teach ourselves a lot of stuff and research and Google was my best friend and (laughs) and all uh, came together I think literally the night before we opened so it was a little bit of a blur and uh, unconventional but uh, it all worked out so. (laughs) Yeah so how do you find the bands and the acts that you have performed are they a local do they travel from anywhere? Yeah, and that is something that has kind of adapted and our vision of that has shifted a little bit from when we started um, because um, bands are extremely expensive and that is something that we, you know, didn't, I don't want to make it sound like we just loosely got into this too much, but we didn't really quite understand, um, especially nowadays with all these free streaming platforms and stuff, that is how anybody makes their money. So, I mean, some guy who you don't even know his name, but he has a song that does fairly well on Spotify is, you know, 15 grand for 60 minutes. And so, um, where we thought that would be more doable, but, uh, so that has been something that we've definitely adapted with. And so we have done a lot of local bands, which is really, really great. And we found that those have been very, very, very well received. Um, but we do have bands that come in from Nashville still that are just beloved around here. We have a lot of bands that people in the area have started to kind of associate their name and like, like to follow them and stuff like that. But so other than, so Nashville, we've had a few come out of, we've had, Chicago, St. Louis, um, and then basically anywhere from Nebraska and Iowa has been um, most of the bands. So um, how do I find them? I've been very, very, very fortunate since opening and since we have such a great setup here since opening, we have had almost entirely everybody reach out to us. Um, as of like January, you know, 2020. So before all this COVID started, um, I had 30 bands a month reaching out to me and we're only open three days a, a month. So that means I booked 36 a year and I had 30 a month reaching out to me. And so um, I just has developed some kind of algorithm, I guess. I just kind of vet them. I looked them up, I researched them, I listened to them. I, you know, try to see you know, what their caliber is, you know, if they have a fan base and things like that. But otherwise it's a, it's a system I've been learning in this, you know, year and a few months we've been open. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. 
And it's not all music, right? Like you have other acts too. Yes. Yeah. So um, we are only open on event days. So that's something that makes us different and unique. So um, we are only open three to four days a month, but we started this summer, we started a car and bike night, but we still have live music during those, but those are free shows that we are open for. Um, those end in September. So we're coming up on our last one here this month. Um, but we have had uh, a mentalist, which was really, really fun and something that was very well accepted by everyone. Everybody loved it. It was absolutely intriguing. And then we've had some comedians. And um, so we had one night of comedians before, and then we're having one coming up this fall, which we're really excited about. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know this type of venue is super common in a city, but not so much in a small town. So how have you created an experience that works well for a small town audience? Because I love it. I think we need more of this in small town America. That is something that has been really, it's been such a balancing act and something that we didn't think of too much when we first started until we got into it, because it is, it is, um, it's definitely a unique situation that we have. And I think what's made us successful is like, we've always kept in mind that we are in a small town. We've never tried to be a city and we've, and you know, we've had to adapt to that. And, and that has been things that have been, you know, harder for other people to understand. You know, when people ask, why aren't you open more than three days a month? Well, it's because we're in a small town and our, our target audience are the people that we're attracting, you know, they don't want to come out every night of the week. They want to, you know, have a date night or, you know, celebrate a birthday or an anniversary. And so we didn't want to oversaturate the market with being open. And um, we really wanted to create an event experience. We didn't want it to be like, you know, any other bar around that, you know, may have live music occasionally or, you know, have somebody set up in a corner or on their patio and all that is, I'm a huge fan of like love and I try to support that and be there whenever I can. But we wanted this to be more of an actual event. We wanted you to come here and not feel like you were in Griswold, Iowa, or not feel like you were in, you know, small town. And we, but we still wanted it to be comfortable. So it was definitely mixing two very different things and trying to find that, you know, we're not a restaurant. We're not a bar where music venue we want to create an experience and an event so we try <laughs> sometimes I think that some people here we're open three days a month and think it's easy but I <laughs> I can tell you it's a full-blown event that we put on each and every time and um it is a lot of hours and a lot of work that goes into each and every one of them to try to create like something different for you and something that you enjoy doing and that you don't have to drive to Omaha or Des Moines to experience. You can stay more local and, you know, support more small businesses. So. So fun. Well, <laughs> what has the response been from the community in Griswold? Um, it has been absolutely amazing. It is, everyone has been so supportive and that is something that we were kind of worried about in the beginning because, you don't want to disrupt an ecosystem. You don't want to disrupt the businesses that are there. You don't want to be 
perceived as a threat. And that is something that was very, very important to us because we have a restaurant here in town that we cherish. And so we like to make sure we're, we're not a restaurant. You know, we want people to come to our events and we want them to eat at that restaurant. You know, we want people to know we are not a bar. We want people to come to our events and then we close at like midnight and we encourage, we're like, there are great bars on either side of us. Go to those. And so I think that that has been really helpful because we have tried to be very community-based and community-focused. You know, we have people that don't, you know, maybe live music isn't their thing. Maybe they, they don't do that, but they'll come up to me and they are just so excited because they're like, we like seeing things happen in Griswold. You know, people come there, they go to the gas stations, they eat at the restaurants, they go to the other stores, they see what is around and it brings so many more people to Griswold and helps Griswold as a whole that I think everyone has seen the value in that. And so it's been very, very well perceived and we're so grateful for it. (laughs) Uh, I love hearing that too. Well, let's talk COVID and how that has affected your business. How have you adjusted? Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, It's been a completely, that has been the hardest thing as someone um, so young taking over something so new and unique and such a new and unique time has been a huge challenge, um, especially with live music events. Um, That is definitely going to be one of the last things to rebound is doing, you know, large gatherings and events. So we have had to change a lot. We have definitely, we are at 50% capacity Um, In Iowa, that's not a rule right now, but we wanted to do that to make sure that we could have people feel safe and that we could spread out in here and make it safe distances and just give people a little bit more peace of mind, I guess, so it's not as as packed. And um, again, that is something that is not a restriction Um, in, you know, Nebraska and other states. That is something that is, but that's something that we are trying to do to make people feel safe. Um, and then, unfortunately, we are actually, I say, I shouldn't say unfortunately, because I'm really, really excited about this. One of the things we were so excited about when we started this, and my parents were so excited about, is when they come to Nashville to visit me, there is so much live music. But one of the coolest things is there's writer's rounds, and there's these acoustic sets, and there's these more intimate events that happen all over the city. And they are so special. They are so much fun. And when we first opened, I didn't have one of those, not one on my list because I didn't know how that would be perceived here. And again, since I wanted it to be event and I wanted it to be different, I was just thinking shows, you know, lights, music, sound, all this stuff. And I, since COVID that has really been a silver lining is that's given me the opportunity to do some acoustic acts to make it seem more comfortable for people to come attend and it those have been very very well received too because people really like listening to it and hearing stories about songs and and uh that has been something that's been just I don't know we've been really excited about that it's been uh what do you say when it's I don't know unexpected like (laughs) surprise that we're like oh shoot like what are we gonna do and it's like well We've been wanting to do this 
And this is a perfect time to unveil it because it'll make people feel safe. It's not, you know, a huge party scene or crowd like people may perceive concerts as. It's more of an intimate experience. And so it's been um, really great to be able to have the opportunity, I guess, to finally unveil what we did originally hope to do. That's, I love writer's rounds. That is so cool. And I definitely want to come down for one of those because I miss getting to do that in Nashville for sure. Did you ever have to close like completely shut down at the beginning of COVID? Oh, yes. And that was something, I mean, my gosh, I literally remember our February 23rd show. I remember saying to my friend, I was like, it's finally getting easier, you know, because we had, you know, just been open since May and, you know, it takes a while for work to get out. And I was like, it's, things were going great. And I was like, it's finally getting easier. It feels like it's not so much struggle to get people and everything. And we just had, you know, a great January, February, our March 7th event was the biggest we've ever had. And our next event wasn't scheduled again, because we're only open three days a month for a couple of weeks. So that March 7th event was great. We were so excited. And then we were shut down until June 1st. <laughs> so uh, that was, I mean, it was unprecedented. Like, you know, no one knew how to handle it. And I kept thinking, what do I do? Just not having any experience. And everybody that did have experience was like, we don't know what to do either. So um, yeah, we were completely shut down from our last night was March 7th of 2020. And then Iowa allowed us to reopen as of June 4th. But our, so our first event then was, oh, I'm sorry, June 1st, we were allowed to open. Our first event was June 4th. So um, yeah, we had a good chunk of time that we weren't open at all for anything. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And there's still a lot of venues who aren't able to open yet so because of state restrictions or other factors there's even been like a movement called save our stages and I know they're pushing for legislation to help independent venues like yours to stay alive right now Yeah, talk about that a little bit why is it important to save our stages in our live music venues yeah and I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is something that I don't think a lot of people understand or know about or close to because we're such a small subgroup of things. I mean, you think of music venues, especially our size, you can maybe name two. I don't know what the average person can name, but it's not many. But um, we have been extremely affected and we are definitely going to be one of the last to rebound. And so Save Our Sages came up to help small music venues because we are not a bar. We are not a restaurant. We did not qualify for any of the aid out there that happened. You know, we didn't have the big movements, which were so great to see, but, you know, people ordering takeout and doing those things, we didn't get to experience those. Um, we also did not qualify for the payroll, the PPP, I believe it was called, any of those things, because we are, you know, our staff, we well, A, we were under a year old, and so we didn't have much to show for ourselves when we did it. And our staff is, I mean, we just have bartenders as staff. So most of their income is tips. And so that was something that was really, really hard. I um, saw a stat that um, 
there was a 90% revenue loss for small venues. And that is something we have completely felt because again, we were shut down completely until June, whereas other things could do take out or open up at small capacities before us. And we could not be open at all. Um, I would say that since we reopened, we are still, I mean, an average night is probably we're lucky to get 25%. So we are still extremely, you know, we're not rebounded yet. Um, but there have been good nights, which is good. But um, And then another study that I read that I absolutely love because I think it's really, it applies here to Griswold as well as a Chicago study estimated that every dollar spent at a small venue resulted in $12 in economic support for the neighboring restaurants, bars, and shops. And that is so true here too, because when we are only open on event nights and we open at a certain time and on almost all my events, I'm always tagging the other businesses in town. I'm like, go to the restaurant this night. They have wings this night, or, you know, this is their special or, you know, when we close down, we close down when the music closed down and we're like, you know, people are like, can we stay and drink? I'm like, there are these awesome bars on either side of us. Like you should go there and drink, you know? And, and so it's just, and I don't think that we're unique in that. I think that all small venues do bring in a huge number of people to their area. And then those people go out and spend money other places. And yet we haven't been supported yet back as far as funding or grants or anything. So I think that this initiative is really, really special. And I hope that anybody who either likes to attend live music events or has benefited from a small venue in their area, you know, from concert nights, you know, whether it's people coming in before or after or whatever, um, should take the time to go. You can go to savethestages.com. It takes literally like 25 seconds. You just, you know, put your info in there and it sends it off to your local Congress and they are trying to push it through right now to help um, small businesses like us right now. Yeah. And I'll link to that in the show notes so everyone can go do that. How can we help support you and other venues like you right now? Yeah, and that is such a hard subject and something I am very empathetic about with other people. I know everyone is not comfortable right now in going out or they're just starting to, but they're definitely not to the point of large gatherings. And I would never push or try to act like, you know, you should do that. But something is definitely with social media, keeping us active and alive and in people's faces, you know, liking our stuff, sharing our stuff, commenting, um, you know, things like that to keep us alive. So we are still in people's faces. So by the time that people are ready to go out or feel safe to go out, they don't have to rediscover us. You know, they aren't, they don't have to be like, oh, wait, isn't there a place in Griswold? (laughs) You know, like that we have been on their mind and and instead of rediscovering us, they're like, okay, once I feel safe, I want to go to East of Omaha, you know? So I always am just trying to encourage people to do that. That's a free, easy way to help um, us or anybody, any venues like that, just support online and make sure that they're still getting attention online. Um, also, ourselves included, usually places have gift cards. And so like for us, you can go on to our website, uh, eastofomaha.com and you can buy gift cards so that when you are ready to come out or if you know somebody that you know is 
is feeling safe going out, you can, you know, give them a gift card and then they can come, come here when they're ready. I love that. Well, we will jump on that. And I know I can't wait for live music to come back full swing. I miss it. Yes. I think when everything does finally pass, you know, with the COVID stuff, that I think our venues are going to be packed. And I am so excited for that day for you and for everyone who's doing what you're doing. Yeah, it is such a cool experience. I just joked we had a event on September 11th, and it was my first real time not working in any capacity. And I just got to like, have fun. And it was just so much fun. And I haven't missed one since we started, but, you know, sometimes we're so busy or it's a different mode and, you know, I'm attending to people because usually I'll bartend it to and work it or, you know, and working it in some capacity, but to actually go to a live event is just so much fun. And it was the first time that I really got to fully enjoy it and like all its glory. And I was just like, I don't ever want to work again. Like I just, (laughs) I just want to attend them all just to attend and just to have fun and just, you know, just experience it. It was, it was just so much fun. And I hope that when people are ready, like they don't forget how much fun that they are because I had almost forgotten and I had been to them, but you know, it's just a completely different aspect when you're working versus just being able to attend. So, (laughs) yeah. What do you love about Griswold and living there? I know your family has, you mentioned this a little bit, but you have really just kind of wrapped your arms around this town and said, we care about this place and we want to invest in its future. Yes. Like, I know that your listeners can't see me right now, but I'm like, I feel like it's like, I'm like a proud parent of Griswold and I have just moved back and I just feel like it's such an exciting time right now for Griswold and really all small towns, you know, I am a fan and I listen to your podcast and, and I've seen everything going on across. I mean, all small towns right now are just booming and everyone is taking pride in, you know, revitalizing everything. And Griswold has been no exception. And we have just, everyone has come together and there's been new businesses in town. There's been, um, you know, revitalization of buildings and just making them you know, look better. There's been, we just got a new school, which is just outstanding. And we have a fantastic school system with amazing educators. We have, I mean, we just got a new business in town that I'm so excited about, like an actual like shop boutique. So we've been supporting that. And I don't know, it's just, it's my hometown. So I love it. And I see it for just there. Everyone is just so supportive and it's, you know, I'm sure a lot of hometowns have a lot of hometown pride, but it's definitely just, it's a town that's come a long way in a few years. It has, it's come a long way and we're just really, really proud of it. And we've been standing out, which is exciting. A lot of towns have have used us as examples. I've had a few towns reach out to me personally and ask. And in February, we hosted a economic development conference here at East of Omaha, which was focused on small towns in Iowa revitalizing. And I that was a great opportunity. I think there were 36 small towns represented here and everyone got to share kind of like their stories and see what's going on and how to make their towns better. And it's just something that Griswold has just continuously done each year is just try to improve on itself. So 
yeah, no, I just love it. It's just such a cute town. <laughs> it's fun to hear you talk about it too. Why is it important that we invest in our small towns and in our rural communities for the future? It is something that has never been more important to me than when I moved back. And so um, when I moved back, I remember asking my dad because he would buy all of these, you know, whether they're abandoned buildings or just kind of falling apart buildings or buildings nobody wanted. And he has been turning them into apartments or businesses and just these beautiful buildings, revitalizing them. And I just remember asking him, from a standpoint, financially, it didn't make sense. So I was like, why do you do this? And he was just so cute. And he's just like, because this is my hometown. I've always lived here. Your brothers are always going to live there. Our families are always going to live here. If you decide to stay, you're always going to live here. And we just want to make it a place that is nice. And that just meant so much to me because I was like, you're right. Like if we're going to be in this small town and this is our community we we should just invest in it and we should shop local and we should support everybody and and it it is just important to support where you live I guess and I don't know I feel like it's just such a why not question like why not want the place that you live to thrive and survive and I love that long-term vision that your dad has. I think that's such a great way to look at it is this is where your family's going to be and he wants it to be a place that's thriving and a place that people like to come to also. Yeah. So, that's a really cool perspective. Yeah, you want it to start you want everyone to have pride in where they're from and what they're doing and, you know, be proud to say you're from, you know, Griswold or whatever whatever small town you're in and and you just want to take care of those that are taking care of it, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. What excites you most about the future of rural America? Um, what I think excites me the most is how much it's growing and how much um, it's more appealing to people than it's ever been with technology. Now things are possible now that weren't possible 10 years ago. People can work remotely. They can live in small town and enjoy small town, but still have a job that used to only be possible in a city or have those opportunities that they never thought that they could have out here. So they can have the best of both worlds. They can be here, but still, you know, have opportunities that you before only a city really could provide. Yeah, that excites me too. And I think we're only going to see more and more of that. Well, what's next for you and East of Omaha besides getting back to operating at full capacity again? We're just, we're really, really excited to keep going forward and we're really excited to do what's next. And it's, uh, there is no uh, real travel map for us, I guess, because uh, our first year was interrupted by COVID and then it is still being interrupted by COVID. So it has been surprises at every turn, (laughs) but we're just excited to, keep growing and expanding, um, literally and physically. We, um, have a purchase, we purchased the abandoned building next to us. And so we have big expansion plans, which we're very, very excited about. Um, we were hoping to start on those, um, what we were hoping to this summer and, you know, obviously things are getting pushed back now, but we're, we have a couple visions for that, which will just really kind of widen 
our horizons and what we can do and the different events that we can hold. And so we're just ready to get started on that really. And just keep offering things to town. And we just love when we have new people come in all the time. I would say at least, even through COVID, at least 50% of everyone who is here at every event is not from Roswell. They're, I don't know who they are. They are new and they are experiencing it for the first time. And I love seeing people's reactions. I love how well accepted it is and how amazed and impressed people are. I love that they, you know, travel from all over to get here. We have people that come regularly from places like 45 minutes away and they're here all the time and, and things like that are just so exciting for me. So I know that if A, we can get through a first year and B, we can get through COVID that our third year is going to be really, really good. So <laughs> we'll see. Absolutely. I'm believing that for you too. So how do we follow along and keep up with what you have going on? Yes. Thank you. Yes. So our website is www.eastofomaha.com. Um, and Facebook is probably, Facebook and Instagram are the best ways to, you can find us at East of Omaha on Facebook or Instagram. And I am constantly updating and posting shows and, you know, giving any updates that we have as far as events or if anything changes and things like that. So I would say our website or Facebook is the best way to keep up with us. Okay, perfect. Well, we will link to those in the show notes as well. Justine, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I love what you're doing with East of Omaha. I love what you're doing in your town and I can't wait to come visit soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and uh, trying to show everyone what East of Omaha is. So, and thank you for giving people a platform. I just, I love that you do this. Thank you so much. It's, it's an honor. Well, I love Justine and her family's vision and perspective on their hometown and what they're doing to make sure Griswold is a thriving place for future generations. And I really appreciate Justine sharing about how COVID has affected her business and how we each can do our part by signing the Save Our Stages petition. You can find that at saveourstages.com, and I will also link to that in the show notes. I trust you're super inspired from today's episode and probably have a handful of people you know would love to hear it. So go ahead and text them the link and leave us a kind review while you're at it so we can keep spreading the rural revival message far and wide. And stay tuned in with us on Instagram and Facebook at Rural Revival Co. to keep updated on this podcast and all things Rural Revival related. And we'll catch you next time on the Rural Revival Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.